Folks, what I'd like you to do is look in your Bibles at chapter 10. We're up to verse 5. And Paul, through here, is kind of like in this, it seems like an odd section, but it's not. It's chapter 9 through 10. He kind of deviates from his discussion about salvation to help us to understand why it is that some people don't believe. And especially for him, it was his brethren, the Jews, who were not, most of them were rejecting, and he was trying to help us to understand how that's possible. And last week, he kind of pointed out to us that folks, and especially his brethren, have decided that they know the way to get to Jesus. They know the way to get to salvation, and it's through their works. And so last week, he pointed out to us that works are meaningless, and that we just can't figure it out on our own. And so he's going to emphasize that point, especially today, when we look at verses 5 through 12. He's going to kind of talk about works again for a moment, following the law, but then he's going to get right into how is it is the person saved? And it's not by what you do. Well, let's look at what Paul says. Look with me, starting in verse 5. It'll be up on the screen for those of you who want to look at it there. You look in your own Bibles or up on the screen. Here's what Paul, as he continues his argument about the nature of salvation, he says this. For Moses writes about righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, who will as, uh, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call him. Now, here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these verses. They're pretty straightforward, and we're going to basically look at what's the problem with effort. What do you mean the problem with effort? Well, I told you, some people think that their way of being accepted with God is what they do. We're going to talk about the problem with effort, and then we're going to look at the whole issue of the reality of faith. It's about faith. And remember, I've been saying this all along. It's not about you. It's not about what you do and who you are and what you haven't done. It's not about where you came from or where you're going. It's not about what you achieved or what you failed at. It's not about any of that. It's about who? It's about Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. And he's going to reiterate that point. So let's first of all look, especially for those, for him it was his brethren who wanted to keep the law, Let's look at this whole issue about effort. He's going to make a point here that I think is going to just hopefully open our eyes to some realities. Here it is. I want you to notice with me. Here's what he says, verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that's based 
on law. So what is he talking about? So Moses writes about the whole issue of being accepted with God by keeping the law. And here's what Moses says. That the person who does the commandments shall live by them. That the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Now what's he saying here? Well, here's my first point. God sets the standard for attaining his acceptance by keeping the law. First of all, God is the one who sets the standards. Remember I told you last week, especially, we kind of emphasized the point that people have this tendency to think that they can decide how to reach God or what God wants from them to be accepted. And as long as they do certain things, in their mind, they're okay with God. And so you talk to people on the street. Are you okay with the Lord? Are you accepted by the Lord? Do you belong to him? Yes, I keep the Ten Commandments. You ever heard that one? Or I keep the golden rule. By the way, the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, the reality is, is here are folks who say they're, they're okay with God because they're doing all these things. Well, there's a problem. The problem is they're setting the standard. They have determined that they know better about how to approach God. Well, God says, wait a minute, no, no. Through Moses, he says, no, no. I'm the one who sets the standard. If you want to be accepted by me, here's what I want. Now, that makes sense, right? You don't enter into a relationship with anybody and tell them, here's what you need to do or I need to do to be accepted by you. No, no, it's up to you if you accept someone or not, right? Nobody dictates how the relationship should be, or they shouldn't. God is the same way. So he's going to say, okay, if you want to set it by rules and keeping rules in the law, I'm the one who sets the standard. So here's what he says. The person who seeks acceptance through effort is bound by the law. So if you want to do it by keeping the rules, here's how I've done it. Great. You can attain it that way, but you've got to keep every rule. Every law. Think about that. So, for instance, let's take example the person that says, I keep the Ten Commandments. Really? So you haven't murdered anyone. Really? Are you sure? Jesus said if you've murdered somebody in your heart, you've done very much, pretty much the same action if you've hated them. You haven't committed adultery. Really? If you've looked at a woman with lust in your heart, Jesus says what? You've committed adultery. But, let, okay, you say, well, that's mental, George. I, as far as my actions, I'm doing okay. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't done any of that. Really, have you coveted? So you're driving your beater along, and you drive by the car lot, and you see a new car that you like or a new truck, and you're like, man, I wish I had that. I would look so much better. In fact, you're driving along, and your buddy's driving a new vehicle, and you're thinking, I would be a whole lot better if I were driving that than him. That's coveting. How you doing with that? The problem is, is that Paul tells you later on that if you break one part of the law, you break what? All of the law. See, God set this standard up. You want to do it by effort? Here it is. You want to do it? You got to do it all. Well, the problem is nobody can do it. How do we know that? Well, in Acts, 
in the first Jerusalem council, the, the first church council that ever existed in Acts chapter 15, they were really deciding whether or not Gentiles like you and I should keep the law. And in the midst of their arguing, here's what Peter says. Peter says this in verses 8 through 10. It'll be up on the screen. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit as he did to us. And he made no distinction between them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. What's he talking about here? So he's saying, here's this one group. They're like, okay, the Gentiles need to keep the law. He said, wait a minute, hold on. God accepted them. Spirit came upon them. Who are we to put this burden on them? Notice what he's saying, keeping, trying to gain acceptance with God by effort is a burden. Who are you to try to put that on them because we couldn't do it ourselves? Isn't that interesting for a Jew to say that? There was no way for them to keep it. So God's the one who sets the standard. And he says, okay, you want to do it by effort? Here's my standard. Do it all. But can anybody do that? Now, if anything, the law reveals that we what? That we can't do it. Can't do it at all. In fact, he goes on and says, look here, look with me at verse 6 and 7. He says this, But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. So what's he saying here? Well, no one's efforts brought Jesus to us or raised him from the dead. Would everybody agree to that? Can you name a single person that was the reason why Jesus, their, their efforts are what brought Christ to the world or what brought Christ to the cross and raised him up from the dead? Nobody can say that. It's not by our efforts. It was the prerogative of God to do that, right? Here's the other thing he says. No one's efforts brought Jesus to us. So here it is. Acceptance with God is based solely on faith. Acceptance with God is based solely on faith. You want to be accepted by God? Then believe. Believe what? He's getting ready to tell us. Have faith. It's by faith. Faith in who? Jesus. So here's what he says. Look with me. We're going to look at here the reality of faith. This is what it is. It's pure and simple. Now, I think this is interesting. I once had a person, oh, it's been probably 15 years ago or so, I had a person in our community say to me, do you mean that you believe that somebody died on the cross and that his death on the cross is what absolves you from your sin and that's the path to salvation? And I said, yes. That's crazy. That's crazy. And in fact, as I was listening to him, my mind went to Paul, who says in Corinthians that what? The cross is foolishness to the world. Simply believing that Jesus died is craziness to the world because the world operates that you get things through your what? Effort. Through what you do. But that's not how God set the standard, is it? He says, you want acceptance with me? It's by faith. Faith in what? 
Faith in Jesus. So here it is. I want you to see it with me. Look with me at first of all, verse 8. He says this, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. What is he talking about? The gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came, lived among us a sinless life, that he went to the cross needlessly, not of his own actions, but because he was being accused falsely, sinless, died on the cross, was buried, raised up from the dead for you and I to have faith in him so that we might have eternal life and salvation. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the point. The gospel of faith is available to us. The message is right there. It's by faith. It's by faith. Now, here's what I hope you understand. Your acceptance is the message of how to be accepted is right there before you. And when we come every Sunday, you hear about that same message. And when we come every Sunday, you hear about, through music, that same message, that it's by faith. It's not about you. It's about who? Jesus, right? But why don't we embrace that? What do you mean? Think about your week. Somehow, during this week, you had this thought enter into your mind that somehow God changed towards you because you weren't or aren't putting enough effort into it. Right? Some of you, that's true. Your acceptance with God has nothing to do with that. It has to do with what? What Jesus did. And that message is always before you. It's near to us, Paul says. It's in our hearts. The message of faith. Here's the second thing he says. Faith is believing that Jesus is God and that he was raised from the dead. That's what faith is. Look at what he says there in verse 9. He says this, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Your acceptance with God, your salvation, is not based on anything you do. It's based on two things. Number one, believing who he is. And who is he, folks? He's not just some pathetic figure from history, as some people like to present. He's not just some moral teacher who just taught the right things that nobody rejected. He's not just some hapless guy who ended up on a cross and people just decided to believe in him. No, no, no. He is God. He's Lord, the Son of God. But not just that. He died for you and was raised up from the dead. See, if you believe those two things in your heart and you've committed yourself to them, you will be what? Saved. That's what eternal life is, right? Through your faith in those two things. Faith in who he is and what he's done for you. Now, have you noticed that in verse 9, it doesn't say anything about you and what you should be doing to get that acceptance except one thing. Believe. No other action. Believe. That's the path to salvation. Faith. Faith. Here's the other thing I want you to see now. Notice with me verse 10 through 11. Excuse me, verse 10. Faith begins in the heart and results in the confession of faith in Jesus. 
This is where it begins. Where does it begin? In your heart. Here's what he says, verse 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and and is saved. So faith begins in the heart and the resulting action of when you become convinced in your heart, not just in your mind. I know lots of people who are convinced in their mind, but they're not convinced in their heart. They're, when you are convinced in the essence of who you are, that he is who he is and he died for you and he rose up from the dead, that then comes out from your heart in what? Confession. Remember this. Jesus says this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you are convinced in your heart, it's going to come out of you. And there's that confession. And with that is what? Salvation. Acceptance with God. Here he's going to go on and show us the reality of faith a little bit more. Look with me. Who's it available to? And here's what I want you to see as we we focus in on what's going on here. Look with me at verses 11 through 12. For the scripture says, okay, here's what the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Here's the final thing I want you to see about faith. Here's what I want you to understand, because, well, let me, let me set it up before I tell you what, what it says, okay? All right, so we live in, we live in American, Pennsylvania, Clearfield County culture, okay? Now, when you look at our culture, when you look at our society around us, is everybody on the same level? Some people are nodding their head or some are laughing. No, no. Is everybody on the same level in our society? I'm listening. No. No, not at all. We have within our society a social economical status. In fact, if you didn't learn that in high school, you weren't paying attention. Right? In high school, it's the extreme of it because you got this crowd, you got this group, and, 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 and so forth. You got these cliques that develop and how you can be accepted and, and don't try to even get into that group because they won't accept you. And, and, and it's reality, right? That's, in fact, you think, oh man, I'm out of high school. I'm over with that. Welcome to America, right? Welcome to society. And that's what it is. And in order to move from one group to another, sometimes you have to do more or hope for more, right? But it doesn't happen, does it? And acceptance is often based on what you do or what you have. And rejection often happens, right? Because you don't have or you don't do. But that's not the way it is with God. Notice what it is with God. And here's the point I want you to bring. Salvation by faith is available to all. And to help us to understand that, here's what he says, there's no distinction with him between Jews and Gentiles. Now, why why the significance? Remember, the Jews were God's chosen people. They were his special people. He set them aside. He set them aside because he called them out as his people through the patriarchs, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to them, he gave special promises. Many of them have yet to be fulfilled. 
And they will be fulfilled at one time. And the rest was the Gentiles. Going nowhere, headed to hell. Never to be accepted, right? But through Jesus Christ, salvation is available to who? Both Jew and Gentile. And there is no distinction, no special people with God. Isn't that awesome to think that? God doesn't see somebody else in the church as better than you. <laughs> I, I, I think, I'm just thinking, you know, I've been a believer now since 1985. I don't think I've ever recalled anybody ever telling me that, that God sees some people as more special than other people. No, no, there is no special people with God. There's only one people, one group. Who's that? Believers. And the reality is that is there for all of us. And here's what I think is interesting. When you look at verse 11, I think this is awesome. Look at what he says in verse, in verse 11. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. You know what those feelings are like? You ever been in a group of people and felt less than? Maybe it's a work group. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's a community thing or something and you feel shame. Not just because of what you've done, but because of who you are. With Jesus, salvation is available to all. And nobody, when you belong to Jesus and when you're in his presence, will feel what? Shame. Because what? You feel less than. But he's already told you. There's no distinction, is there? And again, here's the wonderful thing. That salvation is available to you and I by what? Faith. Now, if you want to choose the effort route... Oh, it's available to you, but here's the catch. you got to do it all. Not just eight of the ten things, but all ten things, right? And you're saying, to them, oh, that's impossible. Yeah, so it is impossible to do it by effort. It has to be by what? Faith. That's what Paul wants us to understand. So here's the thing, folks, as we wrap it up, as we get ready to head over to the lake and chew on some chicken or some hamburgers or some hot dogs and all the wonderful things that other people are bringing, I want you to think for a moment. I want you to think about the greatest relationship that exists. And here's what it is. You and God. That's the greatest relationship. Now, I, I, I'm, the second greatest relationship is you and your spouse, or you and your special one, whatever. That's the second one. But the first one is you and God. Now, here's the thing, though. Like, okay, with you and your spouse, there are times when that's strained, right? Maybe you woke up with the wrong, wrong attitude, or maybe in your, somebody, something happened in your dream, and now you're mad at your special one because they did something in your dream. They didn't know about it, but you're mad at them because of a dream, okay? Yeah, but that isn't true with God. God loves you because he already knows who you are. 
And he accepts you, not because of what you do, but because of what he has done. And so I want you to understand that your acceptance with him is based on what, folks? Faith in who he is and what he's done for you. Not because of your efforts, because you can never do anything enough for him. Do you understand? Never. May that thought permeate your minds and your heart this week as you live with him in the greatest relationship ever. Let me pray for you.